Stuff Podcasts. Hi, Adam Dudding here. Welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's episode is called Our Plastic Love Affair. It's by Stuff senior journalist Andrea Vance, who joins me now. Hi, Andrea. Hello. How are you? What about you? So your story is called Our Plastic Love Affair, but just how bad is our love for plastic? Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Um, So some figures from the Ministry of the Environment um, that came out a couple of years ago showed that um, the average Kiwi is responsible for or throws away about 60 to 70 kgs of plastic every year. And we're really not very good at recycling um, recycling it. I think about 20, 28 or around a third of our waste um, ends up in the land and landfill. So yeah, our plastic love affair is is pretty bad. And also, you would think with all the awareness about about plastics and microplastics that um, that we would be using less of it, but that's actually not true. Global plastic production is actually accelerating um, and is expected to boom up right up until twenty fifty. How did seeing all of the plastic rubbish and man-made marine debris make you feel? Yeah, it's it's really it's really upsetting because it's so unnatural in this absolutely wild, beautiful, extraordinary landscape that that is kind of a mecca for wildlife lovers and bird watchers and trampers. Um, and I suppose because you're in amongst all this incredible wildlife, much of it quite rare, it's quite hard to. Um, it's quite hard just to take that all that they are having to live in this plastic rubbish and also that it is probably having quite a harmful effect you know that their seabirds in particular are known to eat to eat the plastic um and it makes them feel full up and then they don't um have enough energy they don't breed or reproduce um and and often they get sick and die and we've all seen the the terrible pictures of of um sea creatures entangled and killed by plastic rubbish at sea. So yeah, all those thoughts are kind of run, running through your mind. It, it is it is truly truly troubling. You've written quite a few stories about the environment and our impact recently. Why is that? Do you have a special interest in the area? What what draws you to these stories? Um. Well, I guess <laughs> I really like penguins. <laughs> I like penguins better than politicians. So I get to I get to hang out in these lovely, amazing places and see incredible wildlife. So I, sp- I suppose on a selfish level, that, that might be why. But also, um, I don't think there's much of a separation between political and environment stories because the damage that we do to the environment is facilitated by legislation and by politics. So I just I think it's really important to look at environmental stories with a political lens because the solutions are to be found in the causes are found in what comes out of parliament and the solutions are also to be found there as well so i guess um you know these are these are crises the the planet is facing a biodiversity crisis and a climate crisis and and how we're going to fix that really comes down to our lawmakers i think a, a huge collective will as well but so that's why um why wouldn't we talk about this in politics they're the biggest issues facing us thanks andrea now here's sam smith reading Our Plastic Love Affair by Andrea Vance. There they were, rustling in the red tussock. A pair of Arakiora Pokoeka, the elusive Stewart Island brown kiwi, oblivious to the gleeful trampers watching their every move for close to half an hour. For Harry Pearson and Jan Jordan, This was the capstone of the perfect holiday, a long stretch of summer spent tramping through New Zealand's wilderness, 
a joyous journey through forests, Alps, even swimming with Hector's dolphins in Southland's vast Te Waiwai Bay. The isolated west coast of Stewart Island was the final leg, the Nelson couple drawn by dreams of spotting a kiwi in the wild. But the thrill was short-lived. In the heart of Rakiura National Park, the national icon shares its home with tons of plastic rubbish and man-made marine debris. It's just really upsetting, Jordan says. I had no idea we had so much waste coming up onto our seashores. It's so sad. I can't help thinking of all the wildlife we've seen. Mason Bay is a mecca for nature lovers and bird watchers, a 14 kilometer crescent of sand and an expansive swathe of dunes sweeping back from shore into the island's forest and petlands. Wild, extraordinary, and not permanently inhabited since the late 1980s, it is home to more kiwi than kiwi. More than 40 kilometers from the nearest settlement, Oban has just 400 residents. It can be reached only by hiking or by plane, a little Cessna 185 that bumps down on the sand at low tide. But its remoteness has afforded the beach no protection from humanity's destructive, disposable culture. Wave after wave pummels the shore, washing up discarded plastic that has swirled into the southern ocean from all across the Pacific Rim. The ghosts of dead fishing gear crunch underfoot. Cracked cray pots, frayed ropes entwined with seaweed and buoys, wedged into wind-sculpted boulders, lie bleached and parched by the sun. Luminous floats line the bush-sheltered track from the bay to a Department of Conservation hut, strung up like Christmas ornaments to mark the 15-minute route. Pale blue plastic tubs marked stolen from tallies are set at regular intervals on the shoreline. The fish bins, used by inshore fishing vessels to transport a catch to processing factories, hold flotsam collected by visitors to the beach. Meters of blue ribbon laces through the dunes, it is plastic packaging tape used to secure bait boxes. Known officially as abandoned, lost or discarded fishing gear, ALDFG, between 500,000 and 1 million tons of marine waste tumbles into the seas from industrial fishing vessels each year. The soft sand is speckled with every kind of household item. A dustpan, sandals, a marker pen, toothbrushes, bottles, the ring from a barbecue, half a plastic rubbish bin. Torn sweet packets and sauce bottles come from as far away as Korea, Japan and California. The shoreline has also caught larger items, a car door, sunbed, and plastic drums, weathered and broken from ocean travel. Buried in the granules are lumpen blobs. At first glance, they could be ambergris, valuable whale vomit used in the making of perfume. But these pebbles are worthless pyroplastics, likely the melted remnants of trash burnt at sea. Blue, green, purple, and yellow shards are scattered as shells, Tiny dots of plastic are as ubiquitous as the island's biting sandflies, littering each new high tide mark with a fresh rainbow of deadly pollution. Wet shopping bags, banned in New Zealand in 2019, slump into the swash like deflated, dying jellyfish. This is what is visible, but the problem goes deeper. The bulk of pollution is disintegrating, unseen into the sand. That's because plastics don't break down, they break up finally becoming microplastics, defined as less than 5 millimetres in diameter, and nanoplastics, less than 0.001 millimetre. These are then ingested by organisms like plankton, sending the particles up the food chain. 
The detritus doesn't surprise Canterbury University environmental chemist Sally Gore. She says the presence of macro and microplastics on remote beaches tell us all that plastics are everywhere, that there isn't any way that hasn't been touched by our love affair with plastic. The fragments are everywhere scientists have looked, from the bottom of the deepest ocean trench, to Antarctic ice, the air that we breathe, and even human blood. Alex Ave, also of Canterbury University, discovered plastic particles in fresh snow from the frozen continent, a moment she describes as staggering. She is now analysing samples from remote areas to better understand airborne microplastic. Microplastics have been found all throughout human bodies, and we know that the smaller they get, the more damage they can do, Alex says. Humans have been using plastics on a rapidly increasing scale since the 1950s, for at least half that time, we've known that our addiction to convenience has been fouling the ocean. The first study examining the amount of near-surface marine plastic debris was published in 2014. It estimated at least 5.25 trillion individual plastic particles, weighing roughly 244,000 metric tonnes, were floating in the world's oceans. By 2018, microplastics have been found in more than 114 aquatic species, and in 2020, scientists estimated at least 14 million metric tonnes were resting on the floor of the ocean. Sustainable Coastlines is building a national litter database. They calculate that for every 1,000 millimetre squared, quarter acre of beach, there are 329 items, three quarters of what the charity collects is plastic. Most of these products, like food wrappers, have a lifespan of a few minutes or hours, but they will persist in the environment for hundreds of years. The scale of the problem captured the attention of the media and made their way into popular culture, with horrifying images of wildlife distressed or killed by debris, footage of five immense floating trash vortexes, or influencers who disavow consumerism for a zero-waste lifestyle. But remarkably, global production is accelerating. On current trends, plastic use will nearly double from 2019 across G20 countries by 2050, reaching 451 million tonnes each year. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. That, that, I think Chris, it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing if in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. As oil prices dropped, fossil fuel extractive industries were pivoting to single-use plastics to make up for the losses, says environmental anthropologist and campaigner Tricia Farrelly of Massey University. As we become more aware, so too do polluting industries around how to find loopholes. For example, they will say, we're increasing our recycling rates, we are lightweighting. But all that does is give an excuse to allow for not only continuing plastic production, but increased plastic production, Farrelly says. New Zealand is phasing out some single-use plastics from July, including produce bags, most straws, plates, bowls and cutlery. By 2025, this will also include polyvinyl chloride, PVC, and polystyrene food and drink packaging. Last year, 175 nations agreed to end plastic pollution with a binding UN treaty, which could see a global ban on single-use plastic items, a polluter pay scheme, and a tax on new production. Still under negotiation, it could come into being by the end of 2024. 
Ali Hooper, Greenpeace Aotearoa Oceans campaigner, says the treaty and a separate agreement struck last week to protect the high seas could make a difference. The ocean is borderless, and that's exactly why we need international cooperation to protect it for the future. Because what happens in one part of the ocean can have serious consequences elsewhere. The ocean is in crisis, and it's clear we urgently need to change the way it's treated, both at home and abroad, Ali says. But Farrelly warns that industry influence is still at play in the negotiations. Countries recently submitted ideas about core elements that could be in the text of the treaty. Some commitments are still too low, and some countries are not particularly interested in ambitious policy, like caps on plastic production, or removing petrochem subsidies or for fossil fuel extraction. They're more interested in just increasing recycling and the infrastructure around that, Farrelly says. There is also a growing awareness that plastic pollutes without being littered through the release of contaminants used in manufacture. These chemicals leach into the environment, air and water, and possibly the food chain. Gore points to phthalates, additives that make plastics more flexible and so commonplace in household cleaners, food packaging and cosmetics that they are known as the everywhere chemical. Researchers have linked them to asthma, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, breast cancer, obesity and diabetes, low IQ, neurodevelopmental issues, behavioural issues, autism spectrum disorders and fertility and reproductive issues. The European Union and the United States are beginning to restrict and regulate chemicals in this class, and the EU is under particular pressure to phase out PVC and PVC additives. We now know that plastics are carrying chemicals into the environment in ways that possibly we didn't expect, Gore says. We're going to need to increasingly regulate what can go in plastics, what additives aren't okay, and what are acceptable levels of additives. This will be across everywhere that we use plastics. It also extends into our clothing, which are increasingly becoming made from the same materials that we would normally consider to be plastic. For close to 30 years, Mike Hilton has nursed the sand dunes of Mason Bay back to health. The screaming, complex westerly winds that bring plastic on the ocean currents also carry an invasive pest. Marum grass, also planted on the island by farmers to tame the dunes, was smothering native vegetation like the fiery orange pingao until Hilton pioneered a multi-million dollar eradication program for the University of Otago and DOC. He's also gathered a rich collection of glass bottles from the beach. As the ancient ecology, it is the largest dune system in the southern hemisphere, restores, the four dunes will break down and blow away. But the retreating sand will uncover a fresh environmental problem. For years, regular beach cleanups were happening on Mason Bay. But sources have told stuff that up until about 2000, some of the collected trash was buried in the fingers of sand that stretched deep into the Manuka forest. Although it is aesthetically troubling, Hilton says the debris won't have an impact on the restoration work. However, it leaves a headache for Doc, already stretched thin by competing tourism and biodiversity needs on the end of the Earth Island. Rakiura operations manager Jennifer Ross says it's a long-standing issue. The way the oceanic currents work in the area means it's constantly in line for all sorts of debris from the Tasman Sea. In recent years we're seeing more smaller pieces of plastic too. The kind that mixes in with the sand is very difficult to collect. No one likes seeing rubbish in our wild places and unfortunately there's no one simple solution. It's a global problem, Ross says. DOC also supports cleanups by the Southern Coastal Charitable Trust, which involves boats and a helicopter to uplift the trash. 
For more than a decade, these have been funded by tallies. They'll contribute $10,000 to the next collection in July, and staff from the Bluff plant will take part. Mike Black, depot supervisor, says rubbish on southern beaches comes as far afield as the Netherlands, and even fish cases from South America. In recent years, crews have found a huge amount of domestic rubbish and believe some may have come from an old landfill exposed at Fox River in 2019 floods. Fishers don't discard waste on purpose and bins are tied or securely stored, he said, but occasionally while on deck, an empty case about to be used might be washed off by a rogue wave. It is not what anyone wants, but it can happen while out in rough sea, Black says. Around 70% are returned to the companies who own them and tallies repairs or recycles them. That was Our Plastic Love Affair by Andrea Vance on the long read from Stuff. Read by Sam Smith, produced by Jen Black. This episode was edited by Connor Scott. If you're listening via the Stuff website, you can hear this story and many more like it on the long read podcast feed, available on all the usual podcast apps. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support.